Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clint. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corner Booth Podcast. We are back here on a Thursday evening. Thursday Night Football kicks off in about uh, two hours or so, but we are glad to have you in. By the way, look out for us. We're going to start going live to commenting on games on Sportscaster. We'll post the link soon on our profile on our profiles for Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Also, um, we're going to start something new going forward. If you have a question for us, you uh, like want us to ask a sports-related question, I know you know it's me and my profile. People who know me will kind of razz me a little bit. Same thing with Kevin. But if you guys want to have a question like um, about a team for the upcoming game, tweet at us, t- uh, DM us on uh, in- Instagram or on Facebook. We'll answer it. We'll give you a shout-out for the question. Uh, so it'll be something new for uh, more fan interaction going forward because we apparently have a lot of listeners. So uh, What do you mean care. apparently? We're great. Yeah, we are great. No, but, like, you know, it's it's me being humble because, you know, like the – Next week, of course, is our one-year our one-year anniversary, and when me and Mark first started this, our first podcast got six listens. Now we average over somewhere between well over that, so <laughs> it can fluctuate. But generally, per week, we get a lot of listens. So um, I'm very grateful, of course. But uh, yeah, so just shout us out questions on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and we'll answer them on the show. We're going to start off quick. Uh, Thursday Night Football. Um, yeah, so we have a great game tonight against the, from the Chargers versus the Raiders. Divisional round. It is in Oakland. As Savannah said multiple times, always give the Raiders at least one touchdown due to the black hole and everything else involved. Uh, the Raiders coming off of uh, – I don't even know how to – wait, the Raiders won last – oh, my God, my brain's fried. The, um, did the Raiders win last week? Yeah, against the Lions. Yeah, the Raiders beat the Lions. And um, David Waller disappointing me with six point six fantasy points. And, uh, yeah, so it's going to be an interesting game. What do you guys think about the game tonight? I think it's going to be interesting, interesting to see two teams who are about to move from their current cities <laughs> play each other. Yeah, because the Chargers are actually going to go to London. Not London, but, you know, you got... Um, Houston Voyagers! Oh, Houston Voyagers, that's an option. 
Um, Mexico City. They, the NFL wants a team international. Mexico City would be great. Portland is a good landing spot for them. Portland's wanted a football team for a while. Good, Get a good little rivalry going with Seattle. Could try to put a team in St. Louis again. They want a team back. And also, I want them to go to London just because one of my sister's friends from when she went to Trinity is from London and complains, apparently, when the NFL goes there. Because it's just, she says, there's just Americans everywhere and traffic's awful. So I think it'd be very funny to see them move there. I think that the Raiders are going to pull out the win. Uh, The Chargers... The game against the Packers was just, like, shocking. That's the team that I thought that they were going to look like all season, but they just decided to look like that against my team for some odd reason. Uh, Jared, you already said it. Like, you got to give them the touchdown for being at home. Um, uh, Carr has been looking really good. Josh Jacobs has a really good run for rookie of the year. Uh Hunter Renfro's been coming into the game. Uh, Zay Jones has really been getting into himself for the Raiders. Uh, this team is coming together. I know their defense still has some holes, still has some problems, but the, I guess I should say the offense is coming together. I think that they're going to be able to pull out the win. I agree. I have the Raiders by at least uh, 10 points tonight. I think the Chargers uh, last week was a fluke. I believe that well, as much as maybe – it showed a lot of the weaknesses with Green Bay. I think that the Chargers are going to run into a team that's not going to run into the whole L.A. flu like Rodgers blamed it on. Um, basically, you have a team with a very active, very quick running back. Derek Carr's played the Chargers a thousand times. It's Thursday night, so usually something loony is going to happen. I have um, the Raiders. I just think they have so many weapons that are playing such good football, and they're going in the right direction. They're going to be like a 9-7, and 10-6 team, and they're going to be battling with Buffalo and Jacksonville for that last wild, for those three, those two wildcard spots. I got Chargers. I think last week was a turning point for them. They have a veteran quarterback. They have, they have good pieces, I think, that we're going to see the team that Savannah expected as the season goes on. And I don't see last week as a fluke. I mean, yes, the Packers have issues, but they're still a good team. They still have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, and they found a way to beat him. I I think the Chargers are kind of going to go on a run here. Might not make the playoffs still because they kind of dug themselves a hole starting four and five. Not a huge one, but I think they'll win this week and make a push for the playoffs. Yeah, but it's definitely a bigger hole than they were in last year. They they went 12-4 and four last year. They've... Can't, even if they went out, they're not going to win as many games as they did last season. So it's a way bigger hole than they put themselves in last year. I mean, they were 12-4 and four last year, and they went out. They go 11-5. and five. That's one more loss. Yeah. <coughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going to have to see. Um, next up, we go to a former Raider. Uh, Antonio Brown met with the NFL office today and then took to, what was it, Instagram or Twitter to tweet Twitter. out a it was Twitter? Yeah. yeah. He went nuts on Twitter again. Basically saying how he's never going to play in the NFL again. Basically calling the league racist and uh, oppressive. Uh, did I miss any points to that tweet? Um, He's being treated unfairly by the NFL. Yeah, they owe him all this money when they don't. 
He also told them to clear his name and go F themselves. themselves. <laughs> well. I mean, I can't believe this. And listen to this. I'm just creeping on his profile right now. He tweeted an hour ago, I'm just very frustrated right now with these false allegations and slander to my name. I love football and I miss it. I just want to play and I'm very emotional. I'm determined to make my way back to the NFL ASAP. Like, CTE is a hell of a disease, man. Oof. Oh, my God. Like, you're just slandering them and telling them to, like, fuck off. And now you're saying that you want to play? Like I, that. I, I don't I don't I think somebody needs to go help Antonio Brown because this 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 guy clearly is like lost it a little bit and there was a rumor going around Philadelphia like today that like Philadelphia cleared a roster spot and was waiting to see the output of this hearing to see if they could snag a B or not which is terrifying to me that because that looked like it was a possibility up until a B tweeted out that thing while I was at the gym so I was like yeah, are we gonna really have a B on this roster right now I mean we have the locker room to handle it, but like it's also AB. So at uh, least he didn't go to. At least his account didn't get suspended, and he didn't just go to Instagram immediately. Yeah, shout out to Whitehead for. But just, no, I think I think if AB gets cleared, I think he's gonna come back to the NFL, and I think any team should sign him and Jermaine Whitehead, just two guys who can really keep their cool on social media. Don't go on rants, threatening people, or cursing out the league. Two just good leaders that I'd want on my team. I totally agree. So, Kevin. Ah, CFB rankings. So, Mr. Langley actually got the number one team right. But here's the thing. It was funny because Kevin actually thought last week when we did our predictions, I mean earlier in the week when we did our predictions, that it was the, for the final game of the season, not week to week. So Kevin came out and predicted Ohio State number one, thinking that was how it was going to finish before the playoffs. I expected them to be number one this week, too. Uh, the only change I would have made were Alabama and LSU would have been flipped. So I would have had Ohio State, LSU, Alabama. I still would have had Clemson at four. I would have had Penn State at five. And then I, I don't know who I would have had at six, not Oklahoma. Might have gone like... Utah. I mean, if we're talking about accuracy, I got three, Savannah got three, and you got three. We all have the same top four in just different order, but all of us had PSU at, at the five spot. So, uh, Georgia at six, Oregon seven. Uh, by the way, the rankings were OSU one, uh, Kevzillon got that one. LSU 2, nobody got that one. Bama 3, I think. So, no, no, it was Clemson. Uh, and then, Penn so State. we all were, we're, we were all airballing on this one. Um, so, I, I don't, I mean, I was listening to The Herd today, and they were talking about how, like, they're trying to, like, really make this SEC where all the ratings are. They're trying to – and the All-State SEC is probably the best conference in football right now still. They've kind of come back from the dead. Not from the dead, but, like, they've definitely rebounded because they had a couple – they had about two or three years where the SEC was just basically just Alabama and a bunch of garbage. But now you have four very relevant teams. Um, the ACC is having a down year. The Big 12 – the Big 10 only really has about two seriously relevant teams. I don't consider Michigan or Wisconsin relevant. Um, and, the, and, you know, the Pac-12 has two – has two uh, – 
guys who are just happy to be there at seven and eight in Oregon and Utah. Um, all I can say is I'm excited for Championship Sunday. I mean, not Championship Saturday. Because it's going to be um, would OSU Penn State? I don't know. I don't know how the Big Big Twelve is line, Big Ten is lined up. It'd be OSU versus like whoever's in Michigan's division. Um, LSU. Um, the winner of LSU Bama versus Georgia in the ACC. It's gonna be Clemson versus either like Miami or Pitt. Which either way, it's gonna be a. I don't know. Actually, I don't know now because. Clemson, Clemson just doesn't seem like they have the firepower anymore. And then, I, I don't know. I got to see them actually play a legit team again because Wofford isn't really much of a test. Me, Kevin, you and me could actually probably play for Wofford. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, Pac-12 championship game is going to be sick. Oregon versus Utah. Be a good game. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for that Saturday. I think it's going to be a fun time. But, uh Yeah. That's all I got. Well, it'll probably be oh for the Big Ten. It probably it looks like it's going to be Minnesota versus either Ohio State or Penn State, depending on who wins that game. Who's behind Minnesota in the uh, the other half of that bracket? Wisconsin. Mm, well, okay. Here's the thing though. Wisco only has one loss. Wisco is two. Wisco is two. Who? They, oh yeah, Ohio State. Yeah, they have two um, conference losses. What is Minnesota's schedule look like the rest of the way, though? Because I really feel like if it is Minnesota, Ohio State, it's going to be an interesting. That's going to be a very interesting Pac-12, uh, Big Ten final. Penn State this weekend, then Iowa next weekend, Northwestern, and then Wisconsin. Ooh, I could see them losing Northwestern. I don't think that will happen. I can see, I think Wisconsin, Minnesota, last week of the season is going to decide who goes to the Big Ten championship. And who gets smoked by Ohio State, basically. Yeah, pretty much. All right, because I don't see Penn, I see Penn State getting rammed by Ohio State repeatedly, which should make our good buddy Buddy Sawyer very happy. Um, now, folks, it's everyone's favorite segment. Let's crack a six pack. It's time to rock and roll here. First off, speaking of Wisconsin, they take on Iowa this week. What are you guys feeling for this game? I'm feeling Wisco. I think they had a couple losses, but th- their losses weren't against bad teams. And I think they were ranked so high for a reason. I'm hoping and thinking that they'll revert back to kind of how good they were at the beginning of the season. And I don't think Iowa will give them much of a problem. Sure. Savannah? Yeah, I have Wisco pick too. Um, the only thing that I think is going to like change the course of this game is if Wisconsin coughs up the ball. In both of their losses um, combined, they gave away the ball five times, which turned into plenty of points. Um, if they can uh, keep the ball, then I think that they can uh, take home the win. Um, the only thing is, is Iowa has the number eight ranked rush defense. So Taylor's um, probably going to have a long day. Yeah, he's going to be able to keep drives alive, but I don't think he's going to be able to have those big uh, chunk plays that he normally does. I um I think they're going to have to rely on the pass a little bit more, but I still think Wisconsin's going to come away with the win. All right, so we have a clean sweep for Wisco. Uh, I also uh, won. I was going to make the point about the eighth-race rush defense, but at the same time, Iowa's schedule's been a little iffy. So John, they haven't even faced a back like Jonathan Taylor yet. Well, the way I look at these rankings, if you, unless you until you face a legitimate running back, 
you can't actually call a defense elite, especially in college. So even if it's just against the run or the pass, I've got Wisconsin by at least two touchdowns here. I think that they bounce back on this one. Jonathan Taylor is going to have another monster game. Only be, not monster, but like it's going to be above average to the rest of the running backs in this in, in college. It's going to be a Jonathan Taylor game, basically. So yeah, I have Wisco as well. Next up, Penn State, Minnesota. Uh, another Big Ten game this week. I have Penn State. I think they are the second best team in this conference. They are going to get smoked by Ohio State in a few weeks, but Minnesota, I think, is kind of a phony. To quote Family Guy, uh, they just have like this crazy amount of, you know, there's all this hype about Minnesota being unranked and stuff like that. And they didn't want to play a night game against Penn State, which I thought was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard in my life. I get why, because of the whiteout and everything else. But uh, I have Penn State. I think they are going to easily run away with this. They still have the, uh, the, like, the more explosive players. The better personnel, better head coach. Give me Penn State. I don't know why Minnesota cared about whether or not it was a night game. If yeah, I didn't understand Minnesota. why either. It was in Minnesota. It's not like it's a get. If they're at um, College Station, that's one thing. Or State College, rather. State College, yeah. Sorry, brain fart. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see kind of being a little wary about it, but you're at home and you're worried about the time kickoff is for a home game, that's reason enough to pick Penn State over Minnesota because Penn right. State's already in their heads. But I, I think James Franklin's a very good coach. I think Sean Clifford, he's a good enough quarterback. He can make plays in there. They're rushing in. They don't have a great number one running back, but they have enough good ones that in their defense. I think they're going to have no problems with Minnesota. I think Minnesota is this a, I think it's the first legit team Minnesota's played all year, and that's what screams Penn State smacks them in this one. I just I just don't see any way Minnesota wins. Savannah. Yeah, Minnesota's probably gonna fall on their ass in this game. Um, Penn State's defense has only allowed 21 points or less in this in 10 straight games. So, um, I mean, Minnesota has scored 30 points or more in seven straight games, but I don't think they're gonna be able to score that. Um, their running backs, uh, Smith has done really good rush for a hundred yards last few games, but I think he's going to have those big chunk plays, but I don't think he's going to be able to score the points. I think, uh, Penn state's defense is going to be able to stop them. I have Penn state in the win. Yeah. Also Minnesota schedule is a joke. South Dakota state, Fresno, Georgia, Southern Purdue, Illinois, Nebraska, Rutgers in Maryland. Yeah, no wonder they've been able to rush. The only legit team they played all year is Nebraska, and they're not even good. They're like kind of like the biggest disappointment in that conference this year. Yep. All right. Finally, what Kevin's been waiting for all the last two weeks, um, LSU Alabama in Bryant Stadium. Bryant Denny Stadium. Bryant Denny Stadium. (laughs) Get it right. Yeah, I know. He's already offended. Um. Battle two elite, oh, at least one. I don't. I, I'm. I'm not sold on Tua yet. I'm even not even sold on Burrow. Two very good quarterbacks, two very good defenses, and Coach O versus Nick Saban. Polar opposites at head coach, and I love it. Um, I'll let Kevin go first. Let him get all of his hot air out of his system because he's chomping at the bit to talk about this. You know, 
all week people have been talking, is Tua going to play? And that's the question surrounding this game. It was Nick Saban said to our practice, like, you know a requirement to play in this game is you have to outrun my my ass and you're not close. But I don't I think Tua is a great quarterback. I think Alabama will look better on offense with him out there. I don't think it matters. Mm. I want Tua to play. But if they're game planning, if they're like going with two separate game plans, okay, here's what we're going to try to do if Tua plays, which is going to be more pass-heavy with a couple of runs sprinkled in, or if Mac Jones plays, which is going to be easy passes and a lot of runs, I think Mac Jones showed he can play. It was against Arkansas, but he, looked good, but he looked good doing it. It's still an SEC program. It's not like they were playing some AAC team and wow. were just – and he looked phenomenal. He looked good playing an SEC program. And I think Bryant Denny, now that it's – you know, they found ways to kind of get the students to stay. The student section is going to be loud. This game's going to be packed. No one's leaving this whole game. I think it's Alabama easily. I think me and Kevin should live stream our reactions together. <laughs> Savannah? Um. I have LSU picked for the win. Uh, I think that – I know that their defense hasn't been, like, phenomenal, but they've been getting healthier and stuff. Um, if they're able to – if to a place, and they're able to um, keep him from having the big pass plays, like, contain his – like, do, like, the short uh, um, passing plays and stuff like that, they'll, they'll be able to – they'll be able to pull out the win. Uh, Burrow has uh, – multiple games where he's been able to like actually like do some running and stuff. And uh, he can probably actually get his feet going in this game too. It's going to definitely help them. Can I make a quick point about that before you go, Jared? I'm waiting for everyone to get their stuff out before I drop the nuke. You said that if they stop the short pass plays, then they'll have a better chance to win. No, like Alabama has mostly run short pass plays this year because if you just give it to Devontae Smith or Henry Ruggs or Jalen Waddle or Jerry Judy on a short slant, they can blow by most DBs in this country. Tua hasn't had to throw deep. If the LSU defenders step up and go into press coverage, Judy's gone, Waddle's gone, Devontae Smith's gone, and you got to streak down the field for a 30, 40-plus yard touchdown. Fair enough. All right. Let, let, all right. Ugh, the big boys walk in now. All right. First off, Kevin, I will give all the respect in the world to Alabama. They're one of the greatest football, college dynasties ever in any sport. They, the what Nick Saban has done the past what 10, 11 years has been 12, 12 has been unprecedented. And mm. yes, they do have three elite receivers that are all going to be college first and second round picks. But LSU does three things right under Coach O and before Coach O. <clears throat> they have fast athletic defenders, especially defensive back. I, you can go as low as Jalen Mills or high as. Uh, Patrick Peterson. They produce good defensive backs every single year. This LSU defense has improved every single week. Everyone's going crazy about their loss against Auburn. Auburn is a legitimate team. Auburn in any other conference is going undefeated. The problem is they they play in the best conference in football. Honestly, Auburn's better than Florida. I would honestly take Auburn over Georgia. Um, I really think that everyone's over – and, like, they took on Texas. Yes, and Texas is the best team in the Big 12 by a mile. I don't. I think that OU has been a little overblown this year. 
I think the fact that Texas lost half their defensive backs to injury is what killed them in that game because I watched that game was pulling so hard for Texas and I just watched OU stomp them because there was no help in that secondary. On to LSU. Under Coach O, now that he's relinquished control of the offense, Burroughs has gone from a average to elite quarterback. And what makes it so good is now that LSU can compete in a shootout with a team like LSU. I mean, a team like Alabama. And that's that's the difference. And yes, Kevin, you say every year, like, you know, we call uh, we call Death Valley Bryant Denny West West. Those those uh, those past record things are great until they don't happen anymore. Two years ago, I heard every damn stat about, oh, FSU owns Miami at home. They have won a game in it at FSU in like 15 years. Miami goes in and wins. With a with probably the worst Division One starting quarterback I've ever seen in my life, Malik Rozier. It those those records I throw them out the window. I look at what's this season, and when it comes down to it, Tua or not, I have LSU winning by a with Tua. I have LSU winning by about four, four points field goal ish. I just think that they have a little more of a more synced offense because they're not going to have to worry about their quarterback with a high ankle sprain. Now, if Tua plays, I think I did hear he was playing, Kevin. Did I hear that correctly, or is it still up to me? It's a game-time decision, but it's expected that he's going to play. Okay. High ankle – have I've had a high ankle sprain. They're awful, and I am a 220-pound 5'11 munchkin. Tua is a D1 quarterback. They're not fun. I give Tua all the credit in the world for his playing. I think he's a good quarterback. I don't know if he's worth the, all the hype he gets in the draft. I think he, Her, Herbert – Hebert? Herbert. Herbert's better. Herbert. Herbert, you corrected me last night when we were on Xbox. Herbert's better. I believe that Justin Fields is better. I believe that a lot of their other quarterbacks. I think Tua is a very good quarterback. I just think, you know, because he plays in Alabama, he's got a certain, like, elevation about him because he's always in the title game. He's clearly better than Jake Fromm. Uh, anyways, I only, I have LSU by four points because I think that Coach O relinquishing the offense and allowing the uh, the Saints member, to, the guy from the Saints, to come over and whose name escapes me right now, to come over and allow the offense to flourish and allowing LSU speed to take over. This is the best LSU team I have seen, probably even more than their national title team in 07 when they stopped Ohio State, when they had Glenn Dorsey, Matt Flynn, and the boys. I think Patrick Peterson's on that team as well. Um, I have LSU. I think Alabama is a great team, but the one thing that the one thing Alabama struggles against is athletic defenses. You saw it last year in the title game against Clemson. Yes, they had three first rounders on that defensive line, but it's the same thing. Also, Alabama hasn't played a legit team yet. That's the one thing I'm going to tell you. That's the one thing. Everyone's everyone's jumping so hard in Alabama, and I'm like, wait a minute, ho ho, time on the field. Texas a Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong. Texas A&M was the highest ranked team they played this year, right? Yep. Yeah. That's that. That's what gave me pause. I'm like, the last time everyone jumped on Al- Alabama when Tua was playing against a team that you know had played good teams. Clemson had played a far harder schedule last year, and I just, I you know, in the playoff with a healthy Tua, this game's gonna be close as hell. But the fact that Tua is going to be hobbled if playing. Gives me LSU for this one. Sorry, explanation took so long. I have some points about what you just said. Go for it. Your prediction of a four-point win. Last time LSU beat Alabama by more than three 
was in 2010. They won by seven. Last year, LSU was very hyped. They were number three in the country going into the game. And they had a, this great defense that Alabama was going to struggle with. Alabama blanked them and put up 29. Joe Burrow, probably one of the most hyped LSU players since Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette was running all over the country, was in the Heisman conversation. 2016, Alabama holds him to 35 yards and 17 carries. Last year, also in that 29-0 game, Tua was injured going into the game, ripped off a 35-yard touchdown run. Jalen Hurts had a very similar procedure last year, and he came back fine. I think everyone is overhyping LSU over Alabama. LSU's a good program and a good team, but everyone's like, oh, LSU's got this, Tua's injured. That's not the case. Kev, so everything I've listened to on sports radio is Alabama this, Alabama's going to win that, Alabama's winning convincingly. And I'm like, wait, hold up, hold up, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Yes, Jalen Hurts came back, but he was also playing in a sparing role. Tua was a starter. Two, like you said, like I said before, those are past games. This is not the same. Yes, there are a lot of same, a couple guys from that team that took out Leonard Fournette, but this is a new Alabama team. This is a new LSU team. I think Coach O has built this program to, this is, this is their game. There is no, this is their like regular season Super Bowl before they go to the playoffs if they make the playoff. This is like the biggest game of their season. They built their team to beat Saban. And, Kevin, I still think Alabama is going to be around for a long time. But I think this is when you're going to start to see one guy, a, a team like finally LSU is going to come out and just say, no, 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 we're not dead yet. I do respect the history of this rivalry or what it used to be a rivalry until Saban got there. Uh, basically, past stats don't mean shit to me. Past games don't mean shit to me. So what right. you're saying is they're – are still some guys from Alabama from that 2016 game. They're really not. Most of them went to draft by now. But, yeah. Pat, like, that game doesn't matter. Last year, there are plenty of guys on this LSU and Alabama team that are both still on the teams. And Alabama blew out LSU with Joe Burrow at quarterback. Different offensive coordinator. Makes all the difference. Different system. Coach Joe's not calling plays anymore. Yeah, I, I think LSU will do better in this game, but I think Alabama's just – Still has a, and as you said, oh, LSU built this team to beat Alabama. They've been doing that for the past decade. Hey, listen, you lose, you lose every time until you finally win. It's how it is. I, I, I think this is the year. This is the year we start seeing a little bit of a, a Kyrie Irving, a Kawhi Leonard effect, where just you know, like the the hold that Alabama's had over the SEC starts to loosen just a little bit. I don't count the Georgia year because Alabama still won the damn title. They screwed up. Georgia pulled a uh, pulled a Matt Ryan, ironically. All right. Here we go. All right. NFL time. <clears throat> Carolina Green Bay. Uh, the line is um, Green Bay minus six. Savannah, it's your team. Who you got? I have the Packers. Surprise. Right. Um, it's supposed to be cold. It's been snowing. And this is the point in time where Lambeau is um, 
helpful to the Packers, no matter, I mean, home games are always helpful, but the cold, the snow, that's when they kind of get the advantage. Uh, Kyle Allen's stats have been going down the last few, uh, last two weeks or so. Um, I know Christian McCaffrey is a problem. I know he's going to be a problem. He's going to rush for over a hundred yards on us, have a touchdown or two. I already know this, but the Packers offense with Devonte Adams coming back, like we can't just like focus on him. If Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur spread out the ball, then we'll be able to pull out the win. There's, um, Aaron Jones, our running back, has been doing really well. Jamal Williams is a great backup. The Panthers have a hard time stopping the run sometimes, too. And Aaron Jones is explosive. When he gets hot, he gets hot. So our team's going to come together. Our secondary is back and healthy. Uh, Zadarius Smith, I actually think, is playing, even though he got caught with me a couple weeks ago. Um, Preston Smith is still really healthy. Blake Martinez still kind of sucks. But our team, our team will be good. We will win. Kev, I got Green Bay. I think Christian McCaffrey's still going to run all over them, but I think Green Bay, It, it is it at home? Yes, Green it's Bay. It's in Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, then I am doubling down on this. It's Green Bay. I think Kyle Allen's a fine got back, or quarterback. A serviceable can, game manager. That's the yeah. question. That's the quote you're looking for. I don't. I wouldn't even know if I got that far. Like, I mean, over his career, I can see him getting better to a point where he's just a good NFL quarterback. Might make a couple Pro Bowls here and there, but not gonna. And the Pro Bowl's a joke, by the way. I'm not saying that he's a really good quarterback, but I the Pro think Bowl's now, like an honorary dress-up game, basically. Pretty much. For now, I think it's he's not at that point yet, and I think Carolina's just hot garbage outside of McCaffrey. All right. Um. Three things. <clears throat> One, Green Bay has struggled against teams who can get after the quarterback without sending the blitz. Um, Carolina, with their new addition of Brian Burns, is very good at that. Also, he had the dopest face mask. I saw the, the Spider-Man face mask. That was that, that was gas. Two, um, teams with elite teams with an elite rushing attack, or at least a serve uh, like a good to great rushing attack, Philadelphia and um. Los Angeles Chargers have been able to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. Last week's game had a lot of flukiness to it, but at the same time, there was some causes for concern. Last but not least, Cam Newton has been placed on IR. There is no more will they, won't they with Kyle Allen. This is his squad. Now, either this is going to be where he he's like, all right, cool, this is my thing. I can do this. I can light it up, and Ron Rivera gives him the keys of the kingdom for this year, or he lets the hype get to his head and throws like four interceptions to Jair Alexander and Kevin King. Um, my upset pick of the week is Carolina. Oh. I am taking them. To, I'm taking them with the points and the W. I think that McCaffrey is going to have one of those inhuman games. I think that also Kyle Allen's going to surprise people. There are a lot of weapons on that offense. Greg Olson, D, um, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. I love that team. Besides that, the I if I was gonna be a rook, a young quarterback and I was going into Lambeau, having two really fast receivers who know how to like run routes and secure the catch, and probably the most MVP deserving running back in the last like five ten years, I would want to be Kyle Allen right now. I have Carolina squeaking this out by a field by two points. Like it's going to be like Green Bay's got to get down and get a field goal, and Rodgers is gonna get sacked. 
it's going to be that close. But, yeah, I got uh, Carolina in this one. That's my upset pick. Next up, Vikings-Cowboys. All right. So, a football game. I swear to God, it's two teams with, like, the, the most similar seasons ever. Uh, Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins, very eerily similar type of quarterback. Uh, except Dak's a lot more mobile. It's in Jerry World. It's in prime time. But for some reason, because of Dalvin Cook, I have the Vikings winning. It's going to be super close. I think that, you know, like Cousins is going to make some dumb bad plays. Uh, I think that Dak's going to make some bad plays. I think Zeke's going to run, have a decent okay game. But that's it. The Vikings are built to take on a team like the Cowboys, who are very explosive receivers, a physical running back. I just there's something about this that says, you know what? As much as Kirk Cousins sucks in primetime, I think this is one of those fluke games in primetime where Cousins shines. And what made me made up my mind was the very first play of the Cowboys possession against the Giants on Monday where Dak basically stared down Michael Gallup on a route and threw it directly to a, to Antoine Bethea. That, in my mind, was like, yep, <sighs> you can't trust Dak. And I think if the, the, the Cowboys always play great in the later quarters, but if the Vikings can get up and they can start handing the ball to Dalvin Cook, I don't think the Cowboys can come back here. I think that they'll be able to keep the Cowboys' offense off the field. I think that... Uh, I don't know. Is Thielen playing this week or is he still out? No, he's out. He's out? All right. Well, even even with, I think Cook, I think Irv Smith, I love Rudolph as well. And, of course, they have probably won a top five running back in Dalvin Cook. I think it's going to be close. Like, I think Dallas is going to start inching back into it. It's going to be like a, a six, seven-point win. I have Minnesota in this one. Kev? I also have Minnesota. I feel as much as I don't like picking Kirk Cousins in primetime games, I think I still am not sold on Dak Prescott as a starting NFL quarterback, except unless on except on a loaded team, which I don't really think the Cowboys are. And Dalvin Cook's a monster. I think that defense is good enough to contain Zeke a little and just confuse Dak into making some bad reads and throwing some bad passes. With Adam Thielen being out, uh, I think it definitely makes a difference. I know Dalvin Cook is a real, really great running back, but the Cowboys also have Zeke. Um, I'm not very confident in Dak Prescott, but the Vikings or Kirk Cousins is awful in primetime. He has like he's 0-4 against Dak Prescott in general, facing him no matter what team he's on. Uh, Dak Prescott has the most primetime wins at 14 since entering the NFL in 2016. Uh, Kirk Cousins doesn't know how to produce in prime time. He's only one like he's like six of thirty facing teams like over five hundred. He's not a quarterback that deserves the money that he got. Uh, I can't believe the Vikings have the um the record that they do. I gotta pick the Cowboys. Alrighty, and last but not least, the Monday night game where Savannah evilly predicted she was going to pick the Seahawks. Um, 
I'll start. I got the 49ers. And I was thinking about this today. My buddy was asking about the, the Seahawks. And I'm like, you know, the Buccaneers game should have looked a lot differently on paper. But the Seahawks defense just doesn't know how to stop explosive passing and explosive running. And yet, Russell Wilson sneaks the game out. But it's against a functioning moron in James Winston. So it said to me two things. One, don't pick against the Niners here. This isn't the game they lose. I have the Niners winning. It's going to be close. Like It's going to be super close because Russell Wilson is going to find some way to get them back in this game. But th- there's a difference between the pass rush of the Niners and the de- secondary of the Niners and the pass rush and secondary of the Buccaneers. You're going to see a different kind of look. You're not going to see like, you know, these like lob passes where DK Metcalf basically can walk into the end zone or Tyler Lockett's wide open in the back. It's going to be a lot harder to get these windows off. I see Wilson may throw an interception or two. I got an Niners squeaking this one out. Kev, I also have the Niners. I'm a strong believer that every team, if they want to make a deep playoff run, they need an oh shit game. Usually it's a loss to a team they shouldn't lose to, but this one was a very close game to a team they should have demolished. Jimmy Garoppolo and the offense looked fine. Emmanuel Sanders was a great pickup, 112 yards in the touchdown last week. Jimmy Garoppolo, 317 yards, four touchdowns. But the defense giving up 25 points to the Cardinals is a concern. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think the defense, the 49ers defense will do just enough to hold Seattle to 20-something points to give San Francisco a chance. And then on the other side of the ball for Seattle, that defense is not good anymore. They unloaded a lot of their talent, and the Legion of Boom's dead. They have, like, Bobby Wagner still, and that's it. Clowny. I was just talking about from the Legion of Boom. Ah. In oh, case Cam right. Chancellor. So they have those two guys. And Clowney's fine, but I think... They double-team him every time because they have no other pass rushers. Yeah, so I I, I got San Francisco. Clowney should have gone to... Philly should have done, gone in for Clowney. He would have played better there. Damn it, Howie. All right. So, to review... Savannah. We all were on Wisconsin. We were all uh, we were all on Penn State. Me and Savannah have LSU. Kevin has Alabama. I lone wolfed on Carolina as my upset pick. Uh, the Vikings. Me and Kevin have, and Savannah has the Cowboys. Boo. And me and Kev have the Niners. And Savannah already revealed her pick, but I want to hear her explanation. So Savannah, why are the Seahawks going to beat the 49ers? The 49ers are not a bad team. I think that they're a great team. I think that their defense is – okay, I think they're a good team. Their defense is awesome. They're going to have the uh, defensive rookie of the year, clearly. Um, Russell Wilson is – this MVP campaign is hard to beat. He looks great. doesn't matter, like – People are just like 49ers uh, fans are telling me, oh well, they've only their differential like point point margins are like 
way higher because obviously they face the same teams. But yep, 49ers fans are saying a win is a win. So to me, a win is a win. They've won against us. They're, I think they're going to pull out this one. Russell Wilson has looked great in almost every game. There's one game he had one interception, and it was ended up being a pick six. I think the Seattle's defense is not good. They're not going to do uh, Russell Wilson and the offense any favors, but I think Russell Wilson is going to be able to carry this offense to a win. He's going to be the reason why they win. All right. Your MVP candidate, Karim, to win. I'll take, I'll, listen, I'll take that. All right. Savannah, so that's your upset pick? Yep. All righty. So now, since we all took our upset picks in the actual six-pack, folks, we all got gimmies this week. Mine, I have the Ravens absolutely demolishing the Bengals. Kevin, what's your pick, your gimme? Ohio State over Maryland. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's going to be a massacre. I have uh, the Saints over the Falcons. And, all right. That's... Watch, like, the Falcons have, like, one of those miracle wins. Like, they're like, this one's for Danny! Oh, my gosh. I would be so mad. Savannah's going to be here on Monday just, like, cussing out Dan Quinn for 20 minutes. We're going to have to, like, bleep everything out. <laughs> because it's going to get too bad even for our standards. All right, so there we go. Uh, so, by the way, folks, uh, last week, if you're wondering who won, is a really surprise. Um, your boy, everyone's favorite, America's favorite, America's favorite up and coming podcast host, seven, uh, got seven, Kevin got four and Savannah got four. So right now I am leading with 14, Kevin has nine and Savannah has eight. So there you go. All right. I thought, I thought I all right. The thing is, I've locked out. I've nailed the up t- upset pick twice now. So I will also nail the upset pick. As will I. <laughs> Kevin will not. <laughs> All right, bud. He's way too confident about this, which gives me so much hope, Savannah. You really think that they're gonna that Alab- How much do you think Alabama's gonna win by if Tua doesn't play? If Tua doesn't play? Yeah. Seven. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's too big of a differential just for two. That's win even if Tua played healthy. I can't say three. They can't hit a damn field goal. That's actually very true. <laughs> say four. Seven. Uh, yeah, I think Kevin's going to have a rough night on Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. Next up on the docket, we've got the round table. So it's time for – you all remember, bring, pull up a stool. We have no guests tonight, but it's still a roundtable discussion. And one of our lovely co-hosts, Savannah, she's got the first topic. Savannah, you got some beef with the pass interference rule. Let's talk about it. What do you got? Well, the whole reason why this was put in place, everybody knows, was because of the Saints-Rams game. And I thought that this was going to be, like, a good thing for the NFL. They actually realized that the refs are making some mistakes and there's ways to change them. Everybody knows that that call should have been a um, pass interference in the game, but it wasn't. There was no way to change it. So now this season they implemented, you can challenge PIs or non-PIs. So there's been 53 challenges so far in the season, and only five have been overturned. So to me, I'm thinking, what the hell is the point of having this if hardly anything is going to be overturned? 
The rule has says that it has to be clear and obvious. There are plenty of times where pass interference has been clear and obvious and it has not been overturned. People like Charles Woodson, Tony Dungy, like they're all coming to Twitter. They're all saying stuff to the NFL saying that this needs to change. Like what's the point of having it if they're not going to do anything? Like um, what brought this up was the uh, Cowboys-Giants game on Monday night. There was clear pass interference, and Pat Shermer flew um, through the challenge flag, and they upheld it, and it was clear, and it just makes me so mad. Like, And the refs aren't getting punished. There's nothing – they're not getting fined. Like, there's nothing going on to, like, change this. Kevin? I think I think both sides are to blame. I think, yes, the refs aren't ter- overturning plays when they've made a mistake because there's no punishment in place for them. I think the league should fine them or suspend them a game if they have a blatant mistake. But that's the other issue with this. There's – they're not blatant pass interference calls that are being challenged. It's like, oh, the DB kind of bumped the wide receiver a little bit. Technically, pass interference, yes, but you shouldn't be wasting a challenge on that. This rule was put in place because of plays like the Saints-Rams game. That's the only reason it was, because the Saints player got decked when the ball was in the air. Those are the kinds of plays that you should be challenging, not, oh, he looked at my receiver funny, so he dropped it. (laughs) <laughs> so the way I look at it is simple one yes Savannah hate on the nail so did Kevin the original problem is the referees this year has been one of the worst years for referees in recent memory excluding the year with the replacement refs debatable close to it they're like on par yeah that's embarrassing though because these are the actual starter refs these are the real ones and one, for the record, as you all know, when that Saints call happened, I came on the air the next day, and with Mark, I said, can I have a, bo- a six-pack bottle of Saints fans' tears, please? I may have still been bitter about them beating Philly in the division round. But anyway, um, I laughed at it because they were making such a stink about it, and yet they had three other chances in that game to win the game and put the Rams away, but they failed on all three, and the Rams won. That's why the Rams basically were the least deserving team to make the Super Bowl I've seen in years. Here's the other thing. I completely agree with both of you. I think you guys make legitimate points, but I agree with Savannah Moore as if they should just get rid of the rule. Or they should clarify it enough where it's got to be so blatant that these coaches are like, hey, he flicked my receiver's nose. Where's the pass interference call, ref? No. It's not that. One of the only ones who got overturned was my boy Doug E.P. I think it was week one against Washington. Or week two against it – was, it was either week two. It was one of our earlier games. We got one overturned. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That actually worked. It was really blatant. The rest missed it. But I've seen – I've watched probably about 60 to 70 uh, 60 to 70 NFL games this year. Some simultaneously. Don't judge me. Um, I sit at a bar with eight different screens and just watch with junk food in front of me. Um, I've seen maybe three or four that are blatant. I did not watch any of that Giants Cowboys game. I was fully mad. Waited to the highlights. I only saw the first drive where after the after we start stop recording when Dak airmailed that pick, and then I'm just like, this is gonna be a game. I'm just gonna be bored of watching. Anyway, I 
I just I cannot get over the fact that this this rule is put in here for a reason. Yes, it's kind of like a safety blanket, but it needs to be treated like a last ditch resort. Like coaches need to be told you can't throw this flag for oh he flicked my receiver. Oh he slapped his hand down 20 minutes before the ball got out of the quarterback's hand. Some of these like are like I guess those are extreme, but yes it's it's getting ridiculous. We're like. It's, you got to let him play. I think the refs are letting him play at this point. And I think it's kind of an overcorrection to what happened in the New Orleans-LA uh, game. I think part of the issue, though, is once you say you can challenge something, you can't go, oh, you can only challenge it in this instant. Because who like who makes a decision on when you can challenge it? If the refs missed a blatant pass interference and no one saw it somehow, like in the Saints-Rams game— you go, I want to challenge. I go, nope, it wasn't blatant enough. Uh, yes, I get that. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, <clears throat> the coach needs to know some discretion, I guess. Like, if it's, like, so uh, – it's, it's going to be hard to – There's you can't really go in that gray area. It's got to be absolute for this rule. So, I don't know. I, I guess the league functioned better without it, honestly. I think they should make it if, – if you challenge a pass interference call and it is not overturned, you lose both challenges or two timeouts to make coaches look at this and go, do I really want to challenge this tiny toss-up play? I can see where you're saying that, but there's plenty of blatant pass interferences that have not been overturned. Like, you cannot wrap your arms all the way around the receiver where they can't even bend their arms. There's been three or four plays that I've seen that people have thrown flags that have not been called for pass interference, and they will not call it pass interference. So, man, so, are you still bitter about Nigel Bradham's interception? I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to come up. Whatever. I mean, you can't challenge inside two minutes, so there was nothing that they could do for that game anyways. I but, was so happy about that. <laughs> you know, it's pass interference. Hey, borderline. It was bang, bang. But that's what I'm saying. Like, so, I played linebacker. I know that was bang, bang. Like, the rest would never call that. I know, but there's plenty of plays like that are like that. So if it's blatant to everybody except for the refs for some reason – and then they throw the challenge flag and they lose when it should have been overturned, then you're screwed with your other challenge because the refs are wrong. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I think if they do something like that, they also have to hold the refs more accountable because they're not oh, accountable now. Clearly, the refs need to be held to some kind of standard now. Like th- this, it's not fair. It's, it's com- it's, they're coming to the point where they're starting to act like MLB umpires, and I don't think there's anybody more hated in sports than MLB umpires. So the problem is NFL refs aren't paid a lot as is. Yeah. So you can't go, oh, we'll suspend you for the for a game. They'll go, fine. Because a lot of these guys, there have been some, they've been lawyers. They've been other high-paying jobs. They don't need the money. So you, in turn, you have to start finding them. <clears throat> Find them what you would a player for something. That'll get them to pay attention to what's going on on the field. Yeah, I agree. It's stupid that players are getting fined for stupid things. Like OBJ getting fined for... Think over his pants, but the refs can't get fined for a huge wrong call that could sway the game completely. All right. I think we've uh, blown this dead. Ah, see what I did there? Um, next up, Kev, you got some beef with the NCAA. 
Let's share. The NCAA is already not my favorite athletic governing body for multiple reasons. But their scheduling of games is atrocious. This is a minor issue that I'm just bringing up because it adds on to it. Alabama LSU has been a night game for the past nine years. It's a 3.30 kickoff. That actually pisses me off. That is the most hype game, hyped up game, of the last decade, second most hyped up, maybe behind the 2011 Alabama-LSU game, which was a night game. But that's not my bigger issue. If they were scheduling other games perfectly, then I wouldn't really care. I'd go, you know, there's some other good games this week. They're not going to make this one primetime. Alabama-LSU can't always be primetime. But Minnesota-Penn State, that game will might feature both teams playing in the Big Ten Championship. There's a chance for it. That's a noon kickoff. What's the night game? The night games are Missouri-Georgia kicks off at 7. Notre Dame-Duke kicks off at 7.30. Clemson-NC State, 7.30. And Iowa State-Oklahoma, 8. You mean to tell me that you couldn't, that a Georgia team against an unranked Missouri, a Notre Dame against an unranked Duke, and a Clemson against an unranked NC State is more deserving of Penn State, Minnesota, and or Alabama LSU. And that is not even my biggest issue with this scheduling. November 23rd. Do you guys know what game's being played that day? The Iron Bowl! Right? No. That's the week <laughs> after. That's, that's the day after Thanksgiving, then. Well, yeah, it is. It's after Thanksgiving. I didn't know what Thanksgiving was. I was like, I don't think that's the Iron Bowl. No, I think the 28th is Thanksgiving, so it's got to be... Okay, the then it's like the 20... Or the 30th. Yeah. Yeah, Alabama's playing Western Carolina that week. And that should not be a new... No. Penn State, Ohio State is November 23rd. That game will decide one of the competitors in the Big Ten Championship and has huge playoff implications. That is a noon kickoff. That's so dumb. That's like Michigan-Ohio State like three years ago when they had the overtime thriller. That was a noon game. Do you want to know the primetime games for that week? Oh, I know what it's going to be. I think I have an idea what it is. 6 p.m., not quite primetime, but getting there. Then one of the night games, Florida Atlantic versus University of Texas San Antonio. <laughs> 7 o'clock, Miami versus FIU. Yeah, don't ask me why we're the night. Why, I, isn't it like, that should be like an ACC Network game. Yeah, or like just make it. Make that a noon kickoff. Or a yeah, I don't care. Kickoff. We're going to smack the daylights out of Butch Davis's boys anyway. Or is that Lance Kiffin's team? I can't remember. FIU is Butch Davis, I think, because yeah, Lance Davis. FIU. But it's the, it's the old school Canes Bowl, basically. What really, really ticks me off about this? The 7:30 game that night is Abilene Christian at Mississippi State. The NCAA is catering so much to the networks in what they want to do and what teams they want to have in front of it. When they don't make any sense, you're going to have more teams going the Texas route and just starting their own network to televise their games. And then, guess what, NCAA? These programs like CBS, ABC, they're going to go, you know what? We can't – Alabama has their own network. LSU has their own network. Michigan, Ohio State. Miami, Oklahoma. Oregon, they're all going to get their own networks. Okay, maybe – just get rid of Miami for a bit. Shut up. <laughs> but 
Like, yeah, like Oregon, USC, Stanford. They're you're, okay, all- you're going to say Stanford and not say Miami. Get real. Come on. Who's had a relevant program in the past decade? All right. Get off your Jared hate for just a couple seconds. And these networks are going to go, we're not paying that much to televise Abilene Christian at, F- at FIU or San Jose State at UNLV. And the NCAA is going to lose out on so much money. And this, now, this governing body has come kicking and screaming into paying their players because they don't want to give up money. So you're going to pull revenue from them, and the teams and the players are going to suffer because the NCAA is going to go, well, we're losing money, so we have to cut some stuff. And it's going to be other sports. Football is not going to be impacted, but they might cut some stuff for volleyball or soccer or lacrosse maybe even in some parts of the country. And the NCAA needs to smart up and get ahead of the ball on this for once in their existence. And not be reactionary. Because by the way NCAA operates, by the time they actually do something about this, it's going to be too late. They're going to lose money. They need to say, hey, we're scheduling the games. You're televising whichever games you have. We will be fair about which which of you programs gets a night game so they're all even. But you need to stop scheduling crap games in prime time. I completely agree. I got nothing to argue about that. I'm completely with you. So yeah. any guy think that? No, me too. I mean, I think it's – I think that some teams, that, like, should have a primetime game every once in a while. Like, um, like every team in the NFL has a Thursday night game or has a Monday night game. I think that should happen. But when it comes to games like the LSU, Alabama, or Penn State, Ohio State, like, they should be – they should be the primetime games. They are going to be the most watched. They're the ones that bring in the fans and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's a bit like ridiculous Kev, for me. Kev, even last week, as much as you diss my Canes, FSU-Miami is a, like a, a legendary rivalry. That kicked off at 3.30. I would have had no issue if that was the primetime game last week. It, I mean, it was a blowout. Miami stomped the daylights out of them. But, like, it was, it was, it was, it was you know, it's a legendary rivalry. Like, it's got, like, you got guys from Deion Sanders to Michael Irvin, like, watching that game intensely. I would, yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know. The NCAA, yeah, they have to fix this immediately. Kev, I uh, have one more point about this because okay. I got into an argument with Zach Mack about it earlier. <laughs> He's an authority on college football. Wink, wink. He was like, "Oh, I understand the appeal for primetime games, but like fewer people are busy Saturday afternoon, and why do you care if you're at home? I don't care. I care even though I'm at home because I've been up at 9:30 or 8:30 to get to the stadium." at 11 so I can get in and get a decent seat because I actually went to a power five football school, Zach Mack. What are you talking about? Like, oh, you shouldn't care. Yes, I do care. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right. No, I no, I completely, I get what you're saying though. If I actually, you know, went to like, you know, or like LSU or Miami or Texas, wherever, I would feel the same way. The thing is like, Getting to games, even college or pro, is insane. It's a three-hour – you have to plan three hours ahead from just kickoff. So let's say I'm going to the Miami-Louisville game this week. I would have to be at in Coral Gables by – no, no, by Sunlight Stadium, by XM, by like, you know, I think the kickoff's at 1 or noon. So I'd have to be there by 9 o'clock. 
I'd have to make sure I had the grill cooking. I had to make sure the beer was cold, you know, everything else. I had to make sure I was in the stadium by, by like 1115. So like you said, cause I can get a seat. So it, it's a, it's a process, but when you're at a night game, it's so much different. You get there at four o'clock, you pregame until 715. You get into the stadium, you're in your seat five or 10 minutes before kickoff. So everything's ready to go. It's definitely a process, especially for a game like LSU, um, Alabama or Miami, Florida State, or even uh, OSU, Penn State. The this is a serious issue, so I completely agree. Kev, you ready to uh, tone it down a little bit and go into your weird stuff in sports? Yeah, I think I'll be good. <clears throat> Drink a beer. All buddy. my NCAA okay. hate out of the way. There you go. He 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 emptied his uh, hate hate tanks for the day. Ugh. Nah, give me another 15 minutes. I'll probably find someone else to get pissed off about because the NCAA Oh, I can, name a, I, can, I can definitely name a few. But, okay. So, yesterday, this is not my weird shit. This is a fun fact. Yesterday signaled 150 years from what is thought to be the first college football game. It was Rutgers versus what is now Penn State. I forget who won, oh, but. Princeton. 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 Sorry. Nope. Princeton. I was thinking Penn because they're Ivy. It's Princeton. You're right. My bad. And. It was a very different game. It was based on soccer and rugby, and they used a soccer ball. So that could be more shit. They used a soccer ball in the first college football game. But actually, with college football playoff rankings coming out this week, I'd like to shine some light on the fact that Ohio State is number one in the country. Do you know how many number one teams in the first ranking have won the college football playoff? I know, I know, I know, I know. Yes, Jared? Isn't it like, it's like zero, right? It is zero. Yeah! The first ever college football playoff number one ranking, well, number one ranked team was Mississippi State for some reason, and they didn't qualify. That was the Dak Prescott team. I stand by for some reason. (laughs) They did not qualify for the college football playoff. And then after that, every team has made the national championship game but lost. Clemson in 2015, Alabama in 2016, Georgia 2017, and Alabama in 2018. I just think it's hysterical how, like, especially that first year, how wrong the committee was at first. And then also when they're trying to pick the best team in the country, how wrong they've been since. Well, I mean, my prediction was OSU losing to LSU. So, I mean, I'm not completely wrong in my prediction. Hey, you'd keep the streak alive if they both make it. I know. So, Jesus, Kev, you got me all – I got to figure out the hell I'm talking about for last call. Um, hmm. Oh, I know. All right, let's get rock and rolling. Let's kick that smooth jazz. No no height incels for Kevin this week. But you had to pick up my height again. You know what? You're you're average height. So I'm just taller. So, ladies and gentlemen, Kyrie – no, Jesus Christ, I do this every time. Kawhi Leonard sat against Milwaukee last night. Now, oh, <laughs> Savannah, the host is talking. Sorry. Everyone gets so crazy about, you know, oh, load management is so bad. All right, let's set the record straight. I am for load management with tweaking. If Adam Silver, who is quote unquote to some of me and Kevin's friends, the best commissioner of sports, 
I mean, Goodell's a moron, but he's done a lot for the league. Um, I like Rob Manfred, actually. Gary Bettman's a joke. Um, so, I don't know. All commissioners get hated. I don't know. But anyway, so Silver should put forth a rule. If you're playing in a prime, like a... It's, if it's, like, a two teams, like, if it's a big money, like, revenue game, like, you're playing Super Sonic, like, the teams be like, all right, Kawhi, could you sit the next game and not sit against Giannis? But I get both sides of the coin. I get why the NBA hates it because, you know, they're trying to make money. But also, people got to stop picking on guys like Kawhi because load management is the reason he won the title against Golden State and why he's the Thanos of the NBA. So, everyone should, like, lay off Kawhi a little bit. Yes, the load management thing is kind of BS. Yes, some people aren't happy about it. But at the end of the day, if, like, let's just say in a, a parallel freak universe, my favorite team was the number one team in the NBA, and Cat and Wiggins were like, and Jarrett Culver were like, hey, we want to sit against LeBron. I'm like, fine, he's always going to crumble anyway. So, I don't mind as much. I, Savannah, I know you have something to say about this, so I'll let you get at it. But just bear in mind, for the playoffs where the games actually matter, this makes sense to me. Okay, well, I mean, it makes sense to me when you're at game, you know, in the 70s and, like, you're pretty up there, like, you're, or, like, maybe game 80 where you're like, oh, we've clinched the East, we've clinched the West, like, we know that we're going to make the playoffs, like, we should sit, like, the same thing they do in the NFL, you get the number one seed, you don't play week 16. It's just how it is. Load management at the beginning of the season just makes me so mad. You're at the beginning of the season. How are you overloaded? Training camp. Kevin, I think that Kawhi getting all this hate for sitting is ridiculous because the NBA actually came out and said something about this. The Clippers were compliant with NBA rules on load management. Also, by the way, guys, for the record, Kawhi actually was hurt. Yes, all right, cool. Thanks for taking my point. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that was actually your point. I literally said how the NBA said they were compliant because Kawhi was listed on the injury point. He has a knee injury. Now, he might not have to sit out every game, but with a knee injury, you don't want that to compound. You don't want him running around trying to stop one of the greatest athletes on the planet. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm getting hurt. <clears throat> yeah, like, people need to calm down. I agree some, it's kind of ridiculous when LeBron's sitting out 15 games in, like, February. Fine, but... I think the load management thing is an issue, but I think Kawhi is the wrong guy to go after for this. Well, when you have an injury, I understand. But they also, this isn't the first time that someone's just sat at the beginning of the season because of, of load management. Like, it just makes me so mad. I know. My point is that people are going in on Kawhi, going on Westbrook, going on LeBron for sitting half the season, it feels. Don't go on the man who's brought balance to the force. Sorry, Star Wars reference is too easy. <laughs> I think also, by the way, everyone should really... Th- this is part two to this. I'm going to go on one little last little calming rant. Because, you know, my two co-hosts have gotten, you know... <clears throat> they have something to say about this. <clears throat> I think we all should thank Kawhi Leonard, personally. Because this is the first NBA season where we're not blatantly like, Oh, it's a super team versus the field. I mean, yes, the Clippers are the deepest team. They have two very good superstars. But a seven-game series, anything can happen. Um, 
LeBron and the Lakers are a disaster waiting to happen. Everyone's going crazy about them, and I just I just see the wheels coming off the wagon already with the age and the amount of minutes LeBron's playing and 80s health's already being a little hairy. I love the fact that Golden State is even being talked about tanking. Savannah, I said that what, two episodes ago when Kevin was out and we thought it was the most insane thing I ever had to say in my life. Yeah. I am so happy. This is my favorite NBA season of all time as I wear my Timberwolves hoodie. My team somehow is a contender. I didn't think that was possible. Um, I love that Philadelphia is running away with the East and that nobody's probably going to catch them except for maybe Milwaukee. I love that, you know, there's a bunch of good teams. This is going to be the most balanced NBA playoffs in the last, like, 12 years, and I'm ecstatic for it. And I actually probably will watch a lot of basketball this year because there is no super team. There is no Boston Big Three. There is no Miami. There is no Kobe, Paul Gasol Lakers. There is no Golden State Warriors. There's no LeBron Cavs. There's no, it's a clean slate. And I said this to I said this with Mark last year. It was episode two. I said the NBA sports leagues have a way of regulating themselves, whether it's injuries or age or just a freak trade or one split decision in a player's head. Sports leagues have a way of regulating themselves. It may not be instant like Golden State was with uh, you know with Kawhi beating them. It could be something slow, like, you know, the Yankees went from winning, you know, four World Series, like, what was it, three or four World Series in a row to not winning one in 2009, and they haven't won one since. It's how it goes. So, sports has a way of regulating itself, and this is the most regulated I've ever seen a basketball league. There's no dominant, yeah, there's no true, if you want to say the most dominant player of the game, it's Kawhi Leonard. And then yeah, I get Giannis, and then maybe Damian Lillard, uh, Joel Embiid, maybe throw in there LeBron. I guess he can sprinkle at five. I don't know, but it's the most even set league, and I love it. I love every second of it. So that's all I got. Stay tuned for us getting our sportscaster thing up and running. You're gonna see maybe me and Savannah, me and Kevin comment on games or do a little halftime pitch. We'll post the links out. Also, by the way, guys, reach out to us on Twitter or on uh, Instagram, Facebook. Send us your questions. We will address them in our, our segment, our in segments coming up. But we're only doing the segment if you guys participate. So I'm Jared. That's Savannah. That's Kev. We out. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Corner Booth Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Corner Booth Pod.